Savage. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He scores. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Welcome to a new episode of the Cloudgate Sports Podcast. We are back after a little break. We have got a ton of news to talk about and just even crazy news with if hockey and basketball ended today, we'd have two playoff teams. Who would have thought that we would even have one playoff team in either of those sports come even a month into the season? So we got a lot of news with the Bears, with quarterbacks, Spring training's full full steam ahead. Hockey, basketball, basketball's got the All-Star game coming up. Zach Levine did get in this year, which is great to see. So, without further ado, we're going to get right into it with the Bears. PT, you want to take over? For sure. Um, not too much um, news related around the Chicago Bears. We'll start off with Carson Wentz was traded the Colts. Um, I know that on our last and previous episode, there was a lot of rumblings going around that the Bears were all in on all in on Carson and um, that they were the front runners and all this crazy rumors and stuff were flying around. And we were very, very disappointed and kind of concerned about the uh, rumors that are being presented. But after Wentz was traded, it was kind of um, brought to the attention that all those rumors were fake. Um, and honestly, like, I, I kind of feel like a couple years ago when the MLB had their big um, – Free agency, too, with Harper and Machado. I feel like we're kind of in the same spot with, with those uh, fake news, I guess you could call it. 100%. So that was kind of crazy. Um, I'm kind of glad that Carson's not here. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, but, you know, I honestly, if, if it sounds like Frank Reich is kind of super hyped about who they got in their quarterback. And, you know, they're definitely Super Bowl contenders. Let's just see if Carson Wentz can kind of um, – carry them over the finish line, if you would say. How do you guys feel about that trade? Yeah, you know what? With the Bears, kind of taking a Bears perspective with the trade, I I wouldn't want Carson Wentz to be our guy, but I am happy that we did put in an offer, and it really does seem like we really want to fix this instead of tracking out Nick Foles next year, which I doubt anybody wants. Uh, So I'm happy that we put in an offer. It wasn't even close near to the rumors, like PT said. Uh, just fake news all over Twitter. Uh, we'll see again. I mean, we'll get into it in a little bit, but the rumors, the rumor mill is spinning pretty good today with the quarterback news with the Bears. But, Pat, what are you feeling about this trade? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy it didn't happen for the Bears. And honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with the idea that we didn't really develop Mitch too well. And Carson's still a young guy. Had a, he had towards ACL, didn't he, in the year they won the Super Bowl? Yes. Uh, that's where Nick Foles came in. I just didn't. Even if we did get him, I just wouldn't trust our, our head coaching staff to, be able to develop him into a good quarterback. Where I think that's a perfect fit for him to go in, in, in Indianapolis. Uh, the trade went through for a 2021 third rounder and a conditional 2022 second rounder that could turn into a first. I mean, 
granted, that's two picks potentially them potentially being a first rounder. Uh, even for that, I, I mean, I don't think. Would you guys want? Would you give up that amount for Carson Wentz in, in hopes that he's going to be our next future quarterback? I, I think it was a fair trade, but I wouldn't want the Bears to make it. Yeah, I, I don't think I would either, just because like, it is a low amount. Like You're not giving up a lot of capital, but you know, Darnell Mooney, he was a third or fourth round pick, was he not? Yeah, yep. but you so know like, what? With the, with the conditional pick that could turn into a first rounder, that would scare the shit out of me uh, with the Bears. So no, with yeah, go ahead. No, I'll wrap up, and that's you. Um, a couple, yeah. two. Oh. <laughs> no, Just what I'm saying. It's if it's gonna, it's gonna. If that first rounder was the Bears, the way that our future looks like, even though we did lose Matt Stafford in the Central or in the North Division, Aaron Rodgers still gonna run the North for a while. That first, that if that's a 2022 conditional second rounder with the Bears, that's a first round pick, and that's why I'm happy it didn't go through. BT, it's all you know. No, you're good. Uh, I, from the jump. On Carson, I'm, we could have fucking tossed in Stanley the Bear and for Carson Wentz, and I still wouldn't have been happy about it. Um, and I think Pat made great points about our coaching staff is not really known for developing players. Um, so I, I would have, I'm happy that this trade didn't go through. Um, and I, you know, I think it's, I think honestly, it was a fair trade um, for the Colts. I don't know if everyone's kind of saying that it's going to be a first rounder for sure. Um, eventually but we'll, we'll see what happens with that and also i think you also made a great point pat too is ryan pace's best draft picks have been these middle to later draft picks with darnell mooney eddie jackson and continue so i don't think that we want to give away our our potentially uh in the past uh best draft picks that he he, he does better in late to middle to late round drafts so i don't i don't think we want to mess with that at all um but you know happy didn't come um We'll move on uh, to some more quarterback news. A lot of talk has still been around Deshaun Watson. Is he going to be traded? He wants to be traded. The Texans don't want to trade him. Uh, the Bears, I just don't think they have any chance. Stephen A. Smith said there's no way it's possible. The way I look at it, I don't think the Bears have a leg up anyways. I don't think he wants to go to Chicago, especially after what happened after them drafting Mitch. Um, so, unfortunately, I think the Bears are out of the Watson sweepstakes. Whatever happens there, if they keep him or trade him. But, Bears fans, Adam Schefter reported today that Russell Wilson has not requested for a trade. But, if the Seahawks want to trade him, he had, we, uh, he put four uh, potential uh, teams that he would want to go to. I believe it was the Saints, uh, Bears, Raiders, and you guys Cowboys. remember last Cowboys. Okay. So, you know, it's always a good sign to see your team in a um, potential trade spot for a player like Russell Wilson. Now, he's probably going to be half, he's probably going to need the same load that Deshaun Watson would need, being the, of his uh, kind of elite stature that he's holding right now um, as a quarterback. So, boys, what would you be willing to give up for my boy? Honestly. I agree with the loads are going to be the same, and I like what you said about uh, Deshaun Watson and the Bears do have bad blood leading back to the draft. Deshaun, De Deshaun wouldn't want to come here, but with Russell Wilson wanting to come here and having only four teams on his list, really make it uh, – I mean, it, it's absolutely great to see as a Bears fan because who the fuck has wanted to come here over the last couple years? Uh, but the load's going to be big. 
It's probably going to be a couple first-rounders throughout the next couple years. But with Ryan Pace, PT, you already said it, if we can keep those middle to late-round picks, I, I, I'll be a happy man if we can add Russell Wilson. But I also feel like it's going to be a big guy too, like a Khalil Mack. Or, I, I hate to say it, Pat, me and you were talking about it earlier, but uh, Roquan Smith, possibly, I would absolutely hate that. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, Pat, how are you feeling about it? So here's the way I've kind of interpreted this trade based off the teams he's listed off. You have the Raiders, who are currently manned by Derek Carr. You have the Cowboys, currently manned by Dak Prescott, who's expected after a pretty good last year. And you have the Saints, who Drew, Drew Brees hasn't retired yet, but everybody's under the assumption that Jason or Jameis Winston is going to take the takeover over there. You're trading to one of those three teams. The Saints or the Seahawks are getting back. They're getting. They're either they're getting Dak Prescott. They're getting Derek Carr, or they're getting Jameis Winston. Now that's why it scares me with the Bears because you're, what are you going to get, Nick Foles? You're going to get Nick Foles. And you're going to get. Uh, this is why I think that there's going to be a big, big difference in the hall of the trade of Deshaun Watson compared to the trade of um, Russell Wilson. With Deshaun, you're going to get a lot more picks. With Russell, you're going to get more player capital right now. Players like that are ready to go play right now. That's why I think when it comes to the Russell trade, if he does find his way to Chicago. Yes, it's a first rounder is probably going to get thrown in there. I don't expect two 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 first rounders at most, but I'm expecting we're going to lose guys like Roquan Smith is going. I think he's going to be the star of that trade right there. That and in terms of what the Seahawks can get back, I will say this: Darnell Mooney, Monty, uh, Ty, or Cohen, he can go. So Mooney, Monty, Roquan, Eddie, and Kyle. And Jalen Johnson. That's those are the guys that are on my list that I don't want to leave. If you want to throw in Hicks, I'm I'll I'll, I'll be open to it. If you want to throw in Cleo Mack, I'll be definitely more than open to that. Um, yeah, I mean it's I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough trade for the Bears, Lansing, because the Seahawks aren't gonna get a quarterback back. And honestly, too, if you look at this way, if for some reason that trade is gonna go through, that first yeah or two. Um, and Nick Foles is probably going to go there too as well. So that's why I'm iffy. I don't think the Bears will be able to land this trade simply because the Seahawks won't get a, a playoff caliber quarter, quarterback back. Because James Winston could definitely lead the team. He could definitely play well in the playoffs. Um, same with Dak. If Dak's fully healthy, he can sure as hell do that. And Derek Carr is more than capable of doing that too. So that's what scares me about this trade. So I don't think he's going to find his way out or towards Chicago. But I mean, hey, at least somebody out there – it shows some interest coming to Chicago that like if even if it don't, nobody comes here and trade doesn't happen, at least there's like some circulation in the NFL between close friends. Like, Hey, Chicago isn't a horrible place to go play at. Like, I mean, it's really the one big thing you can gain out of this trade because I don't think it's going to happen to the Bears. Yeah, you bring up some great points. Um, and, and unfortunately you're right. The Bears are a disadvantage. They've been a disadvantage for a long time um, from previous decisions made by our front office. Um, we don't have any capital. And unfortunately, I don't. I don't think we can afford to give up that amount. Um, my only uh, disagreeing I have with Pat here is that I actually my no touches would be Roquan Smith and Akeem Hicks. Um, I, I can't. I can't fathom the thought of losing one of those guys. Uh, Keem Hicks is the base and centerpiece to our defense. Our defense is not good if we don't have him. And Roquan Smith is just an absolute monster. Yes, I understand you're going to have to give up big players um, for an elite quarterback like Russell Wilson, uh, but if, if it has to go that far, I, 
I want to, I don't want it at all. Um, and that's when we have to start looking to the draft as well. Uh, being said, you know, I, it sucks. Uh, I just, the bears are in a tough, tough spot. Um, and unfortunately bears fans, I, I wouldn't get your hope ups for this one because we just don't, we just don't have the capital right now. Um, and, and you know, you guys may ask, how do we get capital back? Draft. Draft your quarterbacks, develop them. Unfortunately, the coaching staff right now is not the best at that. Hopefully, they can turn that around in the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, right now we got we got to draft. And then we'll build capital up. Maybe we'll make some trades back down in the draft, build some capital up so we can make trades for bigger teams. Because right now, honestly, like Pat said, we're, we're not a destination for, for people looking to win a Super Bowl right now, unfortunately. Um, so if you guys have any more comments on the Bears, I think that's it for right now. We'll definitely have a mock draft coming up. It's, it's Talk about free agency um, with, and all that all that crazy stuff that's about to come down. Uh, make sure you guys keep uh, keep heads up for all that bear stuff. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to move on to the baseball side of things. Spring training is in full swing, and I am so absolutely excited for both of these teams. I was talking with Pat earlier. The Cubs are very interesting this year, so I kind of want to start with them. If you look at the NL Central, you got the Cardinals. Uh, barring some things, you never know. Baseball is baseball. Something can happen. I think the Cubs are the second best team in that division. Uh, their offense is still top tier in the National League. It's just their pitching that is absolutely going to kill them this year. Uh, they did make some good signings in the last couple weeks for the bullpen. Uh, they signed Pedro Strope, who was with the Reds last season. But we all know he was with the Cubs for quite a bit. Uh, he was a part of that World Series team. So he's always got a little place in their hearts. Uh, they also signed Brandon Workman, who was very solid out of the Boston Red Sox bullpen last year. And you know what? If shit starts going south, good bullpen arms are the best things to trade uh, towards the trade deadline. Playoff teams are always looking for bullpen arms. We could get some guys if Brandon Workman is uh, stepping up, doing a job. Pedro Strope is doing a good job too. We could trade them uh, for some capital. Uh, we did, re or the Cubs did re-sign Cameron Mabin. Nice to see him thrown back into the outfield. Very solid, sneaky player. Jake Arrieta is back as well. Uh, he will probably be sliding into the number two or three spot in the rotation, uh, which is kind of scary considering how injury prone he's been the last couple seasons. To have him be your second or third starter just shows how weak the uh, starting rotation is. Uh, one more signing with Jake Marisnik. Uh Basically, if you want a Albert Almora Part 2, this is your guy, Jake Marisnik. Uh, basically, like we're getting Albert Almora back. Uh, most known for playing with the Astros during their World Series runs. Uh, best known for the trash cans, too. Uh, he played with the Mets last season. Uh did okay, nothing spectacular. He'll be a nice little piece in our outfield. Uh, and then a little more breaking news with Chris Bryant. Uh, the rumors are told to be false on all trade scenarios with Chris Bryant from the higher-ups. I, I put in our notes false with quotation marks. I wouldn't put too much into them being false. I think they could possibly be true. But I think Chris Bryant is going to be on the team for the foreseeable future. Uh, it could be a really interesting trade deadline for this Cubs team this year, depending on how the season goes. Because uh, a lot of these guys, their contracts are ending within the next year. We might see some guys like Javi Baez move on. 
Uh, Chris Bryant move on. I think the biggest no-trade guy right now would be Anthony Rizzo. But then you throw another interesting part that he might be your biggest trade piece right now in bringing back the best prospects, uh, maybe besides Kyle Hendricks as well. Uh, I think those are two guys that are pretty much untouchable with the Cubs. But it's baseball. Anything can happen. Do you guys have anything to say about the Cubs? I think the only thing I have to say about the Cubs is I saw a picture of Jock um, and taking batting practice, and I yes, had a sir. little tear drop down my eye. Yes, uh, he looks good in it, though. He looks good. I'm he he does look him. good in a Cubs uniform. I'll give him he, that. He does. So He looks good in blue, so <clears throat> give it to him. Uh, we wish him the best of luck, and that's all I got for the Cubs. I was interested to see this, the Cubs go back and get uh, Arietta, especially for so cheap. I don't know. I don't mean. I grant. I haven't followed him much since he left the Cubs. I mean, did he have a good outing? No. He was in Philly, wasn't he? No, he he did not have a good time in Philly. He was hurt basically the whole contract. I'm actually gonna look up right now how many games he actually pitched in with the uh, Phillies. I think it was a was it a two year? Or it was a three year deal. He threw in 31 games in 2018 with a four ERA. In 2018, he threw in 31 games with a 4 ERA. And then, no, with a 5 ERA in 2019. And then 2020, he only pitched in 9 games with a 5.1 ERA. So, it was a struggle bus in Philadelphia. I know a lot of free agent pitchers that go to Philly sometimes have a hard time. Maybe Jake just needs to come back and uh, to the Cubbies and maybe get back to his old self. He might even be, I know we're talking a lot about trade pieces so far, but it's a one-year deal. You never know what happens. I mean, this this Cubs team, Brandon, you're right. It's going to be interesting to watch, and I think this game, this season is going to depend a lot upon David Ross. I really believe that because you have a, a makeshift team that's expected to do pretty bad and already a – and already banged up uh, NL Central, that's going to be an absolute runaway for the cards this year. Mm-hmm. You need to, like, rally the troops. I, I hate it. I'm going to do it just because I'm the Hawks are my team. You're going to need to pull Cowden and rally this team around of winning off hard work and not winning off skill. And, again, do, you know, that okay, comes into, like, what we talked about when they hired David Ross is, is he going to be able to do that? Does he have that expertise, that leadership, be able to do that, unlike a guy like Joe Madden, who's been around the block, who knows what he's doing, unlike a guy like Tony, Tony LaRussa or um, the dude who went up to Detroit. Uh, Leland? Name for him. No, no, Leland too, but no, the new, the guy from that Strohs that went to Detroit. Finch? Is it Finch? No. Cora? No, it was Finch. Hinch. 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 Yes, That's the yes, same thing. Yeah, so like him. Those are coaches that can rally a team like the Cubs right now. Is Dave, now David Ross? He's got a tough plate ahead of, or he's got a tough, tough outlook ahead of him. And you know, I think he'll be a big role as whether they'll be good or not this year. Watch regardless. Like I said, they have a bunch of makeshift pieces that if they get hot, they can get hot. They really can. Pitching is going to be definitely their downfall. I'm interested to see how the rotation plays out. And I just think this: the Cubs need to start off not good, decent. Because if they start off, they drop three, four, five straight. The north side is going to go up in flames. So yeah. I pray for you, Cubs fans. I want to see the Cubs do well. I'm not. I'm not one of those guys. I feel like none of us are. If the Cubs are going to do well, we want to see them do well. Unless it's against the Sox. But other than that, we want to see them do well, and I want to see them do well. I think they have potential, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a rough go for them. And like I said, it's going to be even worse because it's a runaway for the Cards this year in the or the Isle Central. Yeah, and uh, good points with David Ross, uh, but also he did show good promise last year. 
uh, get, being a finalist for Coach of the Year. Uh, he, he, I believe that in this scenario, I, I get what you're saying with the older guys, the older coaches. They know how to rally the troops. I feel like with David Ross here being a backup catcher most of his life, he really knows how to get down and dirty and gritty. And I think he can rally this team behind him, especially with the fact that they played together. I mean, you've seen the videos with Rizzo, especially Rizzo with Ross. I mean, these guys have so much respect for David Ross that I think that that can help them this upcoming year. And it really needs to happen. And it needs to happen early. And I bet it's already happened in spring training. I mean, they've already been together for a year. So David Ross has already got a year under his belt. He's feeling more comfortable. If they were in this scenario last year, I might be saying something a little bit different. But with the fact that David Ross did so well last year, I think the outlook's looking pretty good on a David Ross uh, perspective this upcoming season. Yeah, and I I think, too, if it was a different team that David Ross has never played with before, I think it would be a little different story. Um, but like you said, we've, we've, we've literally seen the camaraderie and the, how well they are all meshing together. Um, it's just like they're playing again. Um, and I think they all have trust in one another. Um, and I, I think there's nothing to worry about in that aspect of him rallying the troops whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. And the last two, three years, especially that World Series year, we have seen the Cubs win some games in some crazy fashion. I definitely could see that. It's still the same guys on the offense. They could still win the games the way that they won them two, three years ago. So uh, it's going to be an exciting, interesting time to watch the Cubs. They need to perform early this year. They need to perform well. Let's hope we see it. We need some good young guys coming out from the rotation. It's going to be fun to watch. So let's buckle down. It's going to be fun. But now we're going to get down to the south side where very high expectations going into spring training. And I want to start off with Tony LaRusso. If you guys have seen the videos on Twitter, I am absolutely ecstatic with how the team is meshing around Tony LaRusso right now. Uh, there's videos of him and Tim Anderson goofing around, having fun. And that was one of the biggest worries uh, during the offseason was how Tony LaRusso was going to mesh with this team, especially with how young we are. And so far, it's looking good. Uh, I mean, this team looks like they're just having so much fun in spring training. We've seen the videos with Lucas Giolito and the pitchers having competitions with PFPs. It's just so much fun to watch. This team's going to be exciting. But right out of the gate, we're already hitting some struggles. Abreu is out for, I believe, I believe it's the two weeks for COVID. But he had it in January. It's not like he has it right now. They believe that it's just a late positive uh, I know myself, I had COVID back in November. I waited like three weeks to get tested again, and it still came back positive. So it stays in your system for a little bit. Uh, Abreu did say that he is feeling well. He's just had some minor symptoms. So let's hope that he comes out uh, very strong like he did last year. Uh, another injury, Jace Fry had minor back surgery. He'll be out for at least the first month. But that saying... I'm not too upset because we have Garrett Crochet, we have Aaron Bummer, we have Carlos Rodon. We got three solid lefties that could be coming out of the bullpen uh, that we could rely on as Jace Fry gets healthy. Uh, Jace Fry is a very effective lefty for this White Sox team. So I hope we don't rush him too much. Uh, I'd like to have him more down the stretch. 
especially for playoff time. Uh, so let's hope that he can uh, bounce back and be good. Another bullpen arm, uh, Ryan Burr, is back on a minors deal. Love to see it. Just more depth. You never know when injuries are going to happen with pitchers, especially in the bullpen. It's nice to have that guy that's been around the Sox for the last couple years. He knows these guys. He meshes well. He's performed pretty well, too, uh, with his time in the majors. So he'll probably start out in the minors this year, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, and then another guy, Andrew Vaughn, absolutely impressing the shit out of everybody in camp. I, I'm almost 100% positive that he's going to be our opening day DH. Uh, I don't see why that wouldn't be, especially with how Rick Hahn has been talking. Uh, he said there was a very good chance that he was going to be on the team last year towards the end of the season. They just didn't feel like it was right with all the COVID and the uh, – whatever it was called, they had the uh, minor league guys uh, out in Schaumburg. But this is the year for Andrew Vaughn, uh, watching him take batting practice. The White Sox posted a video yesterday They did where they were doing a competition of how many hits you could get in six, at bat, or six pitches during BP, and Andrew Vaughn went six for six with six uh, base hits. So that's fun to see. This team's having fun. Very excited to watch. What do you guys got? First of all, um, I, I, I'm so excited. Spring training's here. Um, the Chicago White Sox are fired up. We're seeing positive stuff flowing on our social medias. Um, and, and, you know, like we've been talking about, too, is you're starting to see the White Sox um, start to pull from more national media, which is awesome and definitely deserved. Um, the one thing that I saw that the White Sox posted uh, within the last past week um, was – Eloy talking about how when he found out about Abreu winning the MVP and how emotional he was and how happy he was for those guys. It just shows how knit, um, t- tight knitly this this clubhouse is and how everybody loves each other and will do anything for each other. Which is kind of what we're seeing on on the north side too. Is we both have two really tight knit houses and you, you love to see that. Um, and then he also said he, he has goals to be MVP one day too. So when you see that kind of stuff from those guys that, you know, they're elite players, but, you know, they're not in the, the national uh, limelight like Abreu or Moncada is, you know. Um, so i love to see that. Um, with Abreu having COVID, honestly, you know, you never want to see anybody have COVID, um, but at least it's now um, spring training and early in spring training, so he has time to come back, and they'll figure all that out, obviously. Um, but we wish him the fastest, speediest, and healthiest recovery. Um, and then, no surprise, Andrew Vaughn is an absolute beast. Um, and I expect nothing less to see him on our opening day roster. He's unbelievable, um, and I think he's going to be something special for the White Sox. I think a lot of people just haven't noticed yet. I think when Brandon wrapped up the Cub, the Cubs segment and he said, let's dive into the South Side, all three of us just got that that smile on our face. Like we, We're so excited for White Sox baseball this year. Uh, to kind of start things off for me, Similar, similar to everybody else. I mean, just there's good vibes flowing around the, the clubhouse. I mean, our, everybody's big question mark was Tony Arusa and being able to mesh with this team. And dude, I mean, it seems it seems pretty damn good right now. Now we'll have to see how that plays out. You know, if, if Tony gives a, a sign that you know Timmy doesn't want to take, you know, that's something we have to deal with in the future. But I'm happy they're off to good. They're off to a good start. Um, right, let's start. Let's start with Andrew Vaughn. Actually, no. Let's start with pitching. Brand, I have a question for you about Andrew Vaughn. Oh, pitching yeah. is going to yeah. be—he's going to be my pitching is going to be my big thing because I am excited. I—I I absolutely love hearing the hype around Dylan Cease and, and Kopech right now. 
I mean, huge, two huge question marks for us in our, the back end of our pitching rotation. Didn't really know how it's going to work out. A lot of us were very scared as to Kopech and how he'd respond from what he's gone through, his Tommy John, his personal life stuff. And, I mean, Kopech is – he said himself he's blessed to be on this team. He knows his team can win without him, and he's happy to be here. He's in the right mindset to be a back-end pitcher for this rotation. He understands who's in front of him. That's going to be my big thing is how are Cease and Kopech going to look to start the season, and how are they going to develop? Excited for that. Let's go to Andrew Vaughn. Brandon, before all this, I think it was pretty pretty sure it was before, I think maybe pitchers and catchers just had reported. You said you wouldn't be surprised if the White Sox re-signed uh, Edwin Encarnacion. Yes. Now, since you said that, there's been a lot of hype going around Andrew Vaughn and his performance in spring training. Do you still see this that being a potential for us to sign Edwin, or do you think Vaughn is a lock right now? Here's the thing with the Edwin signing. Signing. If you look at his career, he has always struggled the first, I don't know, 50 or 60 games of the season. And then the middle half, the end of the season, he'll hit like 35 home runs. And right now, he is dirt cheap. Dirt cheap. And I would not hate at all if Abreu has taken off day, Vaughn plays first, Edwin can DH. I'm fine with that. Honestly, depth, depth, depth. Especially with a young playoff team, possible playoff team like the White Sox, depth is our best friend. And I would not, I would, I hate to say it because Edwin was a struggle bus last year and it was very frustrating, but I think he could be a good potential signing for this upcoming season, barring the options that are left in free agency. All good? All good on the White Sox? Perfect. So spring training's full steam ahead. White Sox have their first game this Sunday against the Brewers. Uh, the Cubs also play this weekend. So make sure we're watching some spring training baseball, getting getting excited. Pat, get into our now playoff team, Chicago Blackhawks. As of February 25th, 2021, the day we are recording this, if the season were to end right now, Chicago Blackhawks find them in the playoffs in the third seed of the Central Division. None of us would have said that before the season started. Fuck and no. there's a difference between being like, what are we? We're 20, 21 games in the season. We're just we're coming up on a couple more a couple more weeks will be the halfway point. None of us would have, like, and we're when I say we're in the playoffs, like we're like we we're one game away from being the number one seed in the Central Division. Like I'm not saying we're a, a bubble team right now. The Blackhawks are playing fucking phenomenally right now. And I am going to – I'll be the first one to eat my own words. I'll own up to it 100%. It is no secret that I was – I am still not a huge fan of Jeremy Colleton. But I'm going to my cap and give props when props are due. Colleton has rallied this team to buy into of, listen, we don't – we're losing – we don't have a lot of star power. We don't have Taze. We don't have Zeebs. We don't have uh, Carpenter. We don't have – Doc. Uh, we don't – Nylander. We don't have Doc. That's a tough loss to start of the season, and Jeremy Cowden has gotten his team, and he said, listen, we don't have the star power, but we all know we can go out there and work our asses off. We're, we can work harder than any other team on this ice. That's exactly what this team has done so far. They currently sit third in the Central Division with 21 games played. They're sitting at 11-6-4 with 26 points. Second place is the Lightning with 27 points. First place is the Panthers with 28 points. It's, it, I mean, the top, the, 
the top four is 28, 27, 26, 25 points. It, the Blue Jackets are sitting in fifth with 21 points, and the bottom three, nobody's higher than 16. Like this, the Cubs are, or excuse me, the, or the Hawks are a, a top four team right now. They, they are, and I, I give I give props to Colin and what he's doing. It's, it, it's really more impressive because he's able to, you're able to buy in or make these young guys buy in, like Pew Suter, Kurashev, guys like that. But the fact you're getting guys like Zadaroff, Kane, Keith, those guys, the, your 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 veterans to buy into this type of culture, I can't. I can't shit talk Kyle in that much. As much as I, I, he's growing on me, I'm gaining more and more respect from every night I watch the, this team play. I have to give props, props to like this team is is wrapping up a, a heck of a stretch right now, and they're moving into a really tough stretch coming up. We have two games versus Florida, two games versus Detroit, Tampa, Dallas, Florida, then Tampa again, then Florida again. We have a tough stretch. They're going back in that Florida situation. This this stretch coming up, especially this Tampa Bay series, is going to tell a lot about how this team responds to adversity and how things will play out towards the end of the season. Because they have a lot of potential. They have a lot of grit. They have a lot of hard work to make this thing work. And it's it's been fun to watch, man. I, I it's, similar to the, it's similar to the Bulls. It's just this team doesn't quit. It's the same thing with the Bulls, man. That team doesn't quit. The Hawks are giving their all. They know they're not the best team out there, but they're going to outwork everybody. I mean, that, I can't. I'm just gonna sound like a broke writer if I keep talking. What do you guys got to have on this hockey season so far? I mean, just holy shit! I, I don't. Uh, this team is surprising the fuck out of me, and I know they're surprising the fuck out of the whole city of Chicago because nobody would have thought that we would be in this situation. But Pat, as you said, we've got a rough stretch coming up on the schedule. We'll talk again once that stretch is over. I would hope that we at least go 500, and then I will feel really good about this team. If we go, if we go 500 or better, I'm gonna feel really good about this team for the rest of the season. If we just fucking skid our way through this schedule part right here, I'm gonna be worried. I'm not gonna feel confident about a possible playoff run or whatever you may want. But I'm hoping we do good. I'm feeling good. Lankinen's looking very solid. Subban's looking pretty solid, too. Our goaltending is good, and that was one of the biggest worries that we had uh, this year. Uh, I mean, everything's just clicking well. I could only imagine how good this team would be if we had Doc and Taze as well. But we got what we got. We got to deal with it. But I'm feeling good about this Hawks team. I mean, the Hawks are blowing my expectations out of the water. I know they are doing it to you as well. Um what I've been saying all year is the Hawks need to take small steps in order to kind of get to where they want to be. Um, we're seeing these steps kind of turning into leaps. Colleton is rallying the troops up. And we're like, and like you said, Pat, people are coming together. And it's, and it's not just the rookies that he's supposed to be able to, or the younger players that he's supposed to be able to connect better with. Like you said, you've seen those veterans also being pulled into that as well. Um, and I couldn't be happier. I mean, the fact that this team – I was I was going to be considering possibly one of the worst teams in the NHL this year. Is I mean, we were talking number one pick before the season started. Yeah, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. Um, and like I said, props to Colleton. Um, our goaltending has been unbelievable, and our veterans, man, they're they're stepping up and they're leading by example and kind of showing everybody how to, what's up. Man, this is Blackhawks hockey. Um, we don't settle for anything less. Um, so I, I couldn't be. More happy with what we're doing, what we're seeing right now from the Hawks. 
Um, and like you guys said, rough stretch ahead. Um, let's not look too deep into this if, if, if it doesn't go as planned or what we want it to. Um, we got to kind of see what we see in positives. We're pulling positives out this year, and we're seeing a lot of positives. So we want to keep on seeing that. Um, so I, <laughs> go Hawks, baby. This, this, is, this is awesome. Yeah, so let's kind of dive into some individual players here. Dylan Strome does find himself on concussion protocol, which is a tough loss for the Hawks. Um, apparently, it was a couple games back, and then he started having like, some delayed feelings of it, and they, they realized it was concussion, so he'll be sidelined for a little bit. Connor Murphy was out of the lineup for a little bit as well with a hip injury. He has found his way back into the lineup. Uh, Andrew Shaw is still out on concussion protocol, which is very scary because concussion was what sidelined him for his entire season, essentially his entire season last year. Um, so we're hoping for the best with him. But let's get, let's get into two, the two stars of this team right now. Let's get into the, the, to Kevin Lankinen. I said it last year when we traded Scott Darling that I wanted to see Lankinen get playing time because I had a feeling he was going to be our next goal our next go-to goaltender. He's currently sitting – now, he didn't play tonight. Um, he's sitting at 8-3-3 with a .921 save percentage and a 2.59 goals allowed against. He is in contention right now for the Calder, the Rookie of the Year. Same thing Kubelik was in contention for last year. I mean, he's playing out of his fucking mind. And on top of that, we have Malcolm Subban, his backup, who pitched for a shutout tonight. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and I do, I do say this: Lankin and Subban are playing very well right now. But you also have to tip your cap to a defense that has struggled so much over the last couple seasons. It's Corey Crawford's facing forty shots a night. This defense is tightened up very well, and they're making his life a lot easier. So I'm excited to see the way things kind of play out for, for Lankinen. I mean, you can't ask for anything more out of a rookie. You really can't. Um, so let's get into – actually, let's, let's, let me hear you guys talk about Lankinen a little bit, and then we'll dive into Patrick Kane and kind of get into our, our uh, cloud crowd segment. I mean, holy shit, Lankinen's just let his nuts drag throughout the ice this season with big question marks, and I know he saw the question marks in the media as well. People were doubting him. People were like, yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, this was a serious doubt for the Blackhawks this year in goaltending. Everybody was like, oh, what about Crawford? We don't have Crawford. Well, Lankinen was like, fuck you. It's my time. I'm going to show you why I need to be your goaltender. And he's done just that. Absolutely shocked the shit out of everybody. Uh, Pat, you, you kind of let into him a little bit. You, you liked him at the end of last season. Uh, so it's good to see him finally getting his chance this year. And he has taken every advantage of that. So it's great to see. Hopefully he does win the Calder. Hopefully he keeps performing the way he does for the rest of the season. Uh, but it's just awesome to see and very exciting for this Blackhawks team. Yeah, I, th- I think Pat was definitely kind of onto something with Lincoln and at the end of last season. Um, and I, I was definitely kind of behind him too. Uh, we were worried about what Subban was going to give us. Um, and I got to give it to him too because he, he's kind of stepped up his game and kind of improved as well. So, like I said, I'm going to keep on repeating it throughout the season because that's all I want to see is positive things. And that, that definitely is one of our shining spots right now in our, in our whole team. So, you love to see it. Um, keep on working, boys. Don't settle for anything less. So, let's get into the hot topic for today. We're going to talk about Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane has just, he netted a goal tonight, so he's look. I'm pretty sure if my stats serve me right, if he didn't assist on that Soderberg goal, which I don't think he did, he's sitting at 31 points in the season in 21 games, 10 goals, 21 assists. One point, he's averaging 1.5 points per game, which is a, is a career high, career high. 
He's sitting at 30, we ran, we said 32 years old. Yeah, 32. His previous high was one uh, 1.36 points per game. That was in the 2018-2019 season. Connor or Patrick Kane is not getting the recognition that he should be simply because a lot of his points are coming off assists and not goals. But he's slowly creeping his way into the, into the, the Hart Trophy, uh, which is the league MVP, essentially. He's slowly, his name's slowly starting to creep in there. And he's got a lot of comp, serious competition. I'm pretty sure McDavid's are, it's still like nine points ahead of him right now in the, in, in the, in the point standings. Which, I mean, McDavid, that, that Edmonton, you know, him and Dreisaitl, it's not even fair up in Edmonton. But Patrick Kane is having a hell of a season so far. He's rallying the troops and he's leading the offense. He's taking charge with not having guys like Taze and Doc on the ice. So with that being said, this is a great segue into our next Cloud Crowd segment. We have Ryan Thompson on. Ryan Thompson is one of my roommates down here at ISU. He's a diehard Blackhawks fan. Me and him love to love to, to bicker with each other about the Hawks all the time. If you want to give him a follow on Twitter, you can at Ryan underscore Thompson 70. Me and, me and Ryan have been getting into a pretty heated debate as to whether Patrick Kane is in his prime or not. So, Brandon, go ahead and roll the audio. I am wondering for the Cloud Gate Sports Podcast, specifically Pat Bardash, is Patrick Kane still in his prime? Given that Patrick Kane has now scored eight points in his last three games and has led the league, or second in the league in points since 2015, I believe so. Pat Bardash does not. Just so everyone knows, Pat Bardash does not. quick thank you again to Ryan for sending in his audio clip. So let's get into the debate of Patrick Kane being in his prime. I'm excited about this, Pat. I'm excited. This is going to be fun because me, I'll say me and Ryan have gotten into heated arguments about this topic throughout the entire, the past two or three weeks. Is Patrick Kane as a 32 year old averaging, he's still averaging very good points, whether it, whether it was the Stanley cup uh, trio we had in the three, three cups in six years to what he's doing right now in a severely beaten down team. Is he still in his prime? My answer is no. Let's do a quick roundtable. Brian Thompson is 100% positive that Patrick Kane is still in his prime. I say no. Brandon, PT, what are your quick answers? Yes. Yes. Okay, so I'm the one person who doesn't think he's in his prime. I'll go ahead and give my reasoning as to why he's not in his prime. You guys can rip it into why you guys think he is. For me, when I look at somebody who's in their prime, I think age plays a very important role in to who is in their prime or not. Patrick Kane is sitting at 32 years old. He's still averaging very top-tier points, and I'm not going to dispute that by any means whatsoever. When me and Ryan have talked in our apartment, he doesn't factor age into that as much as I do. He focuses more on statistics, which is a fair assessment. But here is where I start to look other ways, and this is why I start thinking about age. LeBron James, still putting up stupid numbers, still winning a league MVP. Is LeBron still in his prime, yes or no, as a 36-year-old? No. 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 Exactly. So that's, that's where I'm coming from, where I think age plays a role. LeBron was in his prime when he was with it, within his last year in Miami, or excuse me, his last year in Cleveland and his, his, his run in Miami and then maybe his first year back in Cleveland. Patrick game for me in his prime was, I wouldn't even say the 2010 Cup. I'd say the 2013 Cup to about 2017, 2018. Now, points are going to prove that there, there's going to be a valid argument against my stance when he, when he was in his prime based if you look at his points he produced in those seasons. I get that. For me, it's like I factor in age a lot more than 
than than Ryan does. That's why I don't think he's in his prime. Now, don't get me wrong. Can he win the heart this year? If he keeps up, yeah, he definitely can. I'm not going to dispute that. I love what Patrick Kane's doing. I'm not going to to take away anything of what he's doing right now. But I don't think he's in his prime anymore. And I my biggest thing is I don't think a 32 year old is a prime age for anybody. So then I again my number one best way of going about it is looking at a guy like like LeBron James, where he's 36, still putting up MVP numbers, but we don't consider him in his prime simply because of his age and what he's done in the league. What do you guys got? Okay, so we already talked about this a little bit, but I've got a little bit of a dispute with your age uh, argument, which I agree. Prime has a lot to do with age, and I think it has a lot to do with development of a player. Patrick Kane has been very good ever since he came into the league. Now, if we want to talk about prime, the best of the best, especially with a guy like Patrick Kane, I'd give from like his age 26-27 season till 33-34 is my gap of a prime for a player like Patrick Kane. So by that argument, I still think he's got a couple more years left in his prime. We already said it, 1.5 points per game. I mean, just absolutely unbelievable. And he never he's never slowed down from being such a good player. He's only excelled. So until I see his numbers start to drop or deaccelerate, I still think that he's in his prime. Like if I'm not I'm not saying that Patrick Kane is Wayne Gretzky, but at age 32, would you say Wayne Gretzky was still in his prime? Uh, see, that I'd have to look at his stats. I would probably say yes, though. Okay. So, if you have a guy like Patrick Kane, who's arguably one of the best American-born hockey players of all time, and he's still performing at this rate, I just think that, yes, he's still in his prime. Here's Here's where I come from on this whole thing. I think prime could be defined in so many different ways. I think it definitely could lean towards Pat's way of the way he thinks the prime is. I think it leans in our way as well. Um, but yeah, look at this as well. I think Patrick Kane is definitely a unique person to look at this and what his prime is. I think prime is definitely, it's, it's unique for every single person. Um, so when you look at it, Patrick Kane has been through literally everything with the Blackhawks. I mean, th- these last couple of years have been unreal. Um, with what he's kind of had to deal with and carry on his back for his team. And he still continues to do it and do it and do it. And he's putting up numbers while doing it, carrying his team on his back. Um, And I don't think, I think also, which is crazy, I think this kind of can go against me and Mahoney as well, um, is that, yes, he's putting these numbers up, but he's also, I mean, kind of being slept on or not really being noticed by the national media, I feel like in a way as well. Um, So that definitely could go against our argument as well. I think, it's a, it's it's such a tough thing because prime could be kind of defined in so many different ways, um, but you know I honestly think he's in his prime just because of what he's going through right now with the team he's kind of playing with, um, and that just, and I'm not discrediting anybody else on the team either. It's just kind of the cards he's dealt right now, um, but I think he is still in his prime. Yeah, I mean it's a great debate to have. Um, I'm sure Ryan will be very happy to hear that I'm still the only one that doesn't believe he is. Um, I'm sure we'll be excited to listen to this, but we want to do a quick thank you again for Ryan for submitting in. Absolutely uh, great question. Great question. It is is a great question. 
Uh, so thank you again for Ryan. If you want to say, if you want to follow my Twitter, it's Ryan underscore Thompson seventy. With that being said, the Hawks are looking good, but they are not the only team that is considered to be in a playoff picture right now in Chicago. Let's go to the other team in the United Center, the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls, hey, they've been they've been through it all. They're they're up and down this season, but they show promise, very similar to what the Hawks are doing. They show a lot of promise. They show a lot of grit. They understand they don't have the star power, but they have that tenacity and that grit to perform well against good teams. Again, that's that's been headed by another head coach in, in Billy Donovan. So right now, dude, the East, the East is not what I expected to look like. Right not now. at all. The the biggest team that has shocked me is Boston. I don't like they're not in the playoffs right now. They are if if the season ended today, they are not in the playoffs. It no. is unbelievable. I do believe that there was a little bit of overhype with this Boston team. But for them to be 15 and 17 is terrible. Yeah, I mean, Boston has always been like, they ha- they're they kind of like the Sixers. But, I mean, hey, look, the Sixers are first place in the East right now. Um, I mean, with Boston, I don't know. I think they've been banged up a little bit. I, I feel like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum haven't played a lot together this season from the games I've watched. I feel like one of them's always hurt. I mean, yeah, dude, they, they're definitely surprised me. But if you ask me right now who's the number one team in the East before the season started, I sure as hell wasn't saying the 76ers. No, 76ers I probably would have said the Bucks. The Bucks or the Nets, yes. Yeah, I, yeah 100%. It's, it's the, or the Sixers at one, the Nets at two, Bucks at three, Pacers at four, the Raptors at five. And See, the here's Knicks the thing, though. Six. Here's the thing, though, with the Eastern Conference. You got the big three. You got the 76ers, the Nets, and the Bucks. After that, it's kind of a crapshoot. You got the Pacers who are 500 at 15 and 15. And then the fifth seed lower is all below 500. And that, that's crazy to think about playoff teams. That there are one, one, two, three, four of the eight spots right now are teams that are below 500. Again, that's just the narrative of the Eastern Conference. So it's been like that for a while. And granted, like I said, we're only halfway through about 30 games through the season, give or take. I, I think, I think there's 40 games left. I think we're at, there's 40 games left. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, like, I mean, it's just, that's the nature of the B or the, the Eastern conference is the West is just so much more dominant over the East and it's, it's showing right now, but Hey, an under, an under uh, 500 record right now puts the bulls at the 17 and 15 and 16 with the Knicks ahead of them at 16 and 17. Listen, this team is fun to watch. Zach Levine is having a hell of a season. Colby White is starting to kind of fill into his shoes lately. He's been he's been performing consistently these past couple games. Wendell has been doing well. The bench has been doing well. Garrett Temple, Thad Young, Otto Porter when he's not hurt. I mean, even, I hate to say it, Denzel has done well from time to time. Archie Diacono has been doing well from time to time. Listen, there's just a lot of team cohesion right now. Again, you, it, the Bulls are fun to watch. Win or lose, they're going to give it their all. They're not going to get blown out of the water. And really, I think we're one piece away. I think we're we're a true big man. We don't have Lori Markin either. What that record? What that show too? Do you know? Do, do you know who? If if you want, if we want to get into a little trade talk action right now, there is one guy that I'm dying for the Bulls to get. Plays for Cleveland, Andre Drummond. I think See, I think he'd fit so well with this team. This is so yes. When Drummond currently isn't being played by the Cavs because the Cavs are looking to shop him, I don't think Drummond is a move for us, and that's because I'm 
90% sure Carl Anthony Towns' contract is up after this season, and I want to see Carl Anthony Towns in a Bulls jersey. I think I think there's, a, there's some beat writers from Chicago yeah. that are saying the same thing, too. And we just beat the, the T-Wolves last night. And, and trust me, Cat's watching. Cat's a big fan. Him and Levine obviously are very good friends. Cat's watching what's, what's being built in Chicago right now. Dude, I would not be surprised. Again, we have a new front office. We don't have Garn Pax manning the free agency block anymore. Mm-hmm. Do not be surprised if Cat finds his way to Chicago next year. Blake Griffin's a free agent after this season, right? Yes. And would I that be guy. more? Would that be more of a fit that you're looking for just for the rest of this season? Or are no. you looking more towards like Alonzo Ball? If we're gonna do a trade. If we're going to look to trade this season, I think the most logical trade we're going to make is probably going to be for Lonzo Ball because Lonzo said he does want to come to Chicago, and I think he would be a good – that's, that's where the issue comes in because you have too many fucking point guards. Like, it, it, then you have to start – I mean, a couple weeks ago when Colby wasn't pr- producing consistently, yeah, I thought that trade was going to go through, but lately Colby's been playing very well, averaging consistent points. I don't know. I will say this, Blake Griffin, I love him to death. He's a great teammate. He's a great player, but he's not the Blake Griffin we knew from Lob City anymore. Very true. He's, he's, he's adapted to the game itself. The game is not a big man-based game anymore. You have two like lethal big men in the league right now, Joel Embiid and Jokic, and that's about it. You can throw AD in there. You can throw Cat in there, too. But I'm talking like ground-and-pound, post, like post-up type guys, like mailman, like Carl Malone type guys, is, is going to be uh, – Joel Embiid and Jokic, and that's about it. Even Jokic is starting to develop his game outside of the block. The game's adapting. The game is changing. Blake Griffin is a shorter version of Warrior Markin, and I don't see him fitting his way into the Bulls. And I think, honestly, at that point, the way the ages look out and the, the money, too, as well, I think Warrior's probably going to be better fit for the Bulls over Blake Griffin. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it is kind of – how much longer did we say Laurie's going to be out for? Another week or two? Uh, he will not play. Oh yeah, now. that's right. Yeah. So yeah. after the All Star break, he'll be back. That it'll be good for him to get that little extra rest with the All Star break. I know I'm I myself and LeBron James are shocked that there's going to be an All Star game, but nice little break for the guys. You see what you got in the Bulls and the way they've looked out this year. No, I think I'm kind of in the same spot as I'm with the Blackhawks. Um, we weren't expecting a crazy amount of success right away. Um, we knew it was kind of going to be a process, but I like the kind of the direction that we're seeing. Um, and our front office, I, I couldn't be happier with these guys. All I keep on hearing is just positive stuff. And the buzz on social media about the Bulls, too. You got Barcelona, Carl. You got all these guys just all in every single night. And, and you can't, I mean, especially with the Bulls, with kind of the, the run they've had in the past couple of years man you need that and you, you couldn't be more happy to see that I mean I mean I, I know there was a point um within this past month we were we were very down um and in the dumps about Chicago sports and I think that's completely flipped um and I think we're I think we're rising and I don't, I don't think we're looking back which is a great great thing for Chicago yeah I mean this team's been a lot of fun to watch and Brandon, like you said, we got the All-Star game coming up. And Zach Levine's starting to get the recognition he deserves. Yes, Zach Levine was voted an All-Star. He's obviously not going to be a starter, but he's a reserve right now. Crazy that this is his first All-Star game. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. I mean, we only know him for the dunk contest against Eric Gordon, which was uh, absolutely unbelievable. I'm pretty sure that was that was over five years ago, which makes me feel kind of old. I'm not going to no, lie. Uh, no way. 
that was junior year of high school. Holy crap. Junior or sophomore year of high school. It was, um, and we're juniors in college right now. So that might be four or five years ago. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's disgusting to think about. Regardless, Zach Levine is finally starting to get the, 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 the hype that he deserves. I mean, if you look at his stat line for the past 10 games, I think it's disgusting what he's doing for this team. Win or lose, he's going out there. He's putting his wings, weighing everything he has out on the court and he's going to do everything he can to win. And he's got a little spice to him too, man. He's not going to, he's not going to get walked over. He's going to, he's going to talk some shit. He's going to back it up on the court. He's going to back up the scoreboard and the stat line. And that's that kind of grittiness that we need. It's like that. It's it's. I, I hate to like compare it to that Bulls team, but like Zach Levine's starting to develop that swagger and that that give a shit factor. Like Joakim, Joakim never took shit from nobody. Like you, you want to fuck around with the jump ball after the whistle. Joakim was gonna bury your ass, and Zach Levine's talking shit out there, and I love it because Zach is gonna go out there and back himself up. Absolutely love the 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 culture that's being built in, on the Bulls locker room. But listen, man, regardless of what happens, whether we make the playoffs or not. This has been a great fucking season to watch. Pat Williams is developing so well. I'm so excited for the future. To wrap it up, Bulls are currently sitting in a playoff picture. Do you want the Bulls to to make the playoffs and get some playoff experience? Or are we looking to see us not make the playoffs and potentially, if we're not getting a lottery pick, we're getting a top 15, top 20 pick at, at best. What are you guys thinking? Because me personally – I think I'm still leaning towards that draft pick. Yeah, here's the thing. So before I answer that, I also want to shed some light on Wendell Carter. After his injury, has been performing very well for the Bulls. Uh, he's turned into a piece that I really enjoy uh, watching with this Bulls team. Uh, now your question, Pat. Here's the thing. I am a huge fan of the early draft picks, but I don't think we're heading that way towards a lottery pick I feel like we're closer to a playoff spot than we are with a lottery pick. So, therefore, I just say, fuck it, and let's go for the playoffs, baby. I mean, this this team's young. They can use the development, experiencing the playoffs, because we'd probably face a big-time team like the Brooklyn Nets or the Milwaukee Bucks or the 76ers, which we would most likely get our asses handed to us but I think it would be some good lessons for guys like Colby White, uh, Markinen, Wendell, and a guy like Zach Levine, a veteran guy, can even help this team even more with that process. Again, lottery pick would be nice, but I just don't think that it's realistic right now that we would get that good of a lottery pick. But I do have to agree with Barstool Carl here, though. He does say it a lot, that the lottery for the NBA has a little bit of filth in it has a little bit of little nastiness thrown in it. And when the Bulls are good, the NBA is making a lot of money, especially on the merchandise. And if we do get in that lottery situation, I could see us getting a two, a three, maybe a fourth pick. Gets me a little excited in the pants to think about that. But I feel like this team's closer to a playoff spot than they are with the lottery pick this year. I think logically, um, we want to settle for a lottery pick. Um, we kind of are in the same situation we were last year with the Blackhawks kind of on the border, and then we we went to the playoffs um, and kind of missed out on the higher draft pick. Um, but you know, I I think I wouldn't be mad either way. Um, but logistically and logically for the Bulls, I think it'd be better um, for one more year of a higher draft pick, and then it's full steam ahead, all gas, no brakes, baby. 
got a lot of we got a bright future ahead of us when it comes to the two teams that are holding down the fort in the United Center and the Madhouse on Madison. With that being said, we got a little college football action to talk here, boys. Now the FBS is over. The big teams, Bama, Clemson, Auburn, all those big guys, they ended up their season last fall. But the FCS, if you guys don't know what the FCS is, the FCS is the the lower division of Division One football. So it's still D1, but it's like a subdivision of D1. Um, this is where you're going to see your teams like North Dakota State. Um, the team for who Deion Sanders, who is he coaching? What's his Edwards? Jackson, Jacksonville State? Uh, uh, Jackson State. Yeah, they're an FCS team as well. My, my Redbirds, they're an FCS team as well. Our, our season kicks off Saturday against South Dakota. So, hey. I mean, we're, FCS football, is it, the, is it the best thing to watch on TV? It's not FBS football, that's a fact. But, hey, we got those. We get to wake up on Saturday morning, and we get to watch uh, some, some college football again, man. You know, it's not the best. We don't. It's not because of the best reasons. Obviously, COVID sidelined their season, but still. Waking up Saturday morning, being able to throw on a random-ass football game, to be able to lay in bed and, and watch, it's going to be an absolute blast. That being said, that's all we had for college football. College basketball is... I do want to give a shout-out before we move on to our next segment. Me and Pat's alma mater, Brother Rice High School, was just announced the number one baseball team in the state of Illinois for the preseason rankings. So I just want to give a shout-out to them. Really cool, really awesome. Hey, man, that, that program's come a long way. I mean, we were, we were, we were nationally ranked when you, when you were on the team. Um, you guys went to all those big trips in Kentucky and stuff like that. Rice is, is they're, they're doing it. They're doing a damn good job when it comes to baseball. So that's awesome. See, we're number one. And I couldn't even tell you anybody who's not a team anymore. I'm pretty sure everybody <laughs> that's there is, was, was, wasn't there when we were there. Yeah. Um, but Hey man, that just shows they're, they're getting kids in there and they're developing, developing them the right way. And I'm happy they're having a season, um, high school, IHSA high school sports is in full, full swing for the, for the spring season. So that's fucking awesome. But hell yeah, I, I like to, I like to pay, like, like, like to pay a little homage to our hometown. That's awesome. College basketball, college basketball is in full swing, boys. the The conference tournament is coming up in a couple weeks. March Madness is coming up in a couple weeks. The Big Ten is hooping lately. I mean, Big Ten is running the top twenty five. Big Ten conference is coming up real quick too. But PC, I'm, I, I just I got to hand it over to you when it comes to your line, I man. They get a big win. And they end up losing to a cupcake. This was a tough loss to Michigan State the other day. Does this do, do these big wins and then backing them up with a tough loss to a team that they shouldn't lose to? Does this scare you going into the Big Ten tournament and and March Madness? Oh boy, uh, I was dreading this, but um, <laughs> I'm gonna be real with you guys. Um, I'm nervous as an Illinois fan. Uh, there was a lot of talk, um, kind of before Illinois kind of got in the top ten. Uh, how inconsistent they were, and I was kind of like, "Yeah, fuck that bullshit." Um, but it's it, it's honestly starting to show. They go into Minnesota, um, and they they win by thirty. I mean, the, there was unreal stats this year. The like, Iowa only won by two. Um, Michigan lost by seven. Uh, there was some other great Big Ten teams that went in there and like uh, lost, and it was just like, "Are you kidding me?" And you go out and play the – you go play the best game in Minnesota, and then you go out and play the worst game possible to Michigan State, who has been struggling all year, not the same Michigan State team that we all know. Um, and the worst also, not to build on 
the worst game played, the worst possible thing could have happened to. I was announced today that Io broke his nose on that flagrant two foul. Um, so he will not be available into the Big Ten tournament, unfortunately. Um, I didn't think that they'd have any shot against Michigan. Um, that Michigan just beat the living shit out of Iowa tonight. Uh, Big Ten basketball is just unreal. You, anything can happen. We, we, we keep on seeing it over and over. Um, it's going to be interesting. The Big Ten conference is going to be upsets. Uh, there's going to be teams that get blown out. Um, I, I think Michigan's obviously the team to beat right now. Um, Illinois got to find it again. They played pretty well tonight, but they played Nebraska, the worst team in the conference, not even close. Um, so it, it, it's going to be crazy. I think that it's it's going to be an unbelievable March Madness. Um, it's I'm so excited. It, it, I am nervous though because Illinois has been completely inconsistent. Um, so I, I guess if they come out and they can kind of find a, a little stream or a, a stretch where they're hot. Uh, it'll be good. Hopefully they can get back on that. Uh, and we hope that Iowa's kind of comes back normal too. Uh, I don't know if you guys have anything else about college basketball, but man, I'm nervous. I'm nervous as shit. I will Dallas. say, I will say one thing, one thing. My fighting Irish did beat Duke, which was very nice to see after a little bit of a struggle uh, this year, but it was awesome to beat Duke. It was absolutely awesome. And yeah. Duke's turned it around. Uh, ever since Jalen Johnson <laughs> yeah. on the team, they've been playing unreal, like the kind of dude team we all know. Yeah. Um, so shout out to the Fighting Irish. Let's go, baby. Yeah, buddy. We kind of wrap things up. Io, he's starting to get a lot of national attention when it comes to the Player of the Year award. Some people are saying it's a runaway. Some people saying he doesn't even deserve to be in, in talks with it. I mean, he's all over the place when it comes to the attention he's getting. He was Scott Van Pelt had a, his own segment about him a couple I think last week when it came to the the wooden award now it does the player that you know the player you get announced do you do you figure out who it is after march madness or is it before march madness do you know that's a good question i actually do not know that uh, uh, I, if i can remember i believe it's after the conference games okay okay so well, i mean hey that makes sense I, I feel like it would they'd wait until the end of the year i have no clue but i mean it's similar to like the mvp like for they, nfl at least like they don't the NFL MVP stops at, at the regular week season, 16. yeah, and they they say it before the Super Bowl, but it stops at the season. Yeah, I so I mean, he's it's going to be a tough race. It'll be a lot of fun. What's I mean, I, if you try to put your line eye bias away, do you think he's got a legitimate shot at winning it? Um, well, I don't think he's a runaway. I think he definitely should be considered. Um, I was looking at the list the other day, and there's some other kids out there that I really haven't heard much about either. Um, and I'm sure they really – so there's some people out there that haven't really heard much about Iowa either. So I think it's just kind of who's kind of been the most uh, dominant. I, I think Luca Garza, you know, um, he's in the conversation as well. But I just don't uh, – I'm, I'm not trying to let my Illinois bias come into this, but I just don't think he wins games for Iowa like Iowa wins games for Illinois, you know. Um, every game is won because of Iowa. Coffee's in there, yes, as well. But Garza has a great – Supporting cast around him with Wee's camp and uh, Bohannon and all the other people. So you know, I don't know. And so so does Iowa. I think I think it's definitely there's not a clear answer. I think it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on who does actually win that. So kind of wrap things up. Last week with March Madness, we'll end on another positive vibe. It's a very positive podcast here today for the Chicago sports crew. 
The March Madness Committee has announced that they will allow some fans in the stadium. I believe the percentage was about 25%. Now, remember that this is being spread across Albany and Annapolis. It's going to be played at Banker Life Fieldhouse, where the Pacers play. Uh, I believe it's also being played at Lucas Oil Stadium, where the Colts play. They're also going to see some games at Purdue. Ewee yeah, Ewee Pui, yeah, yep, IUPUI is going to be seeing some action too. <laughs> yep. um, so there will be fans allowed, which will be a lot of fun. Obviously, college basketball, it revolves around on the fans and that, you know, I mean, going into places like Duke and Kentucky, I'm, dude, I'm, I can only imagine, this is a, this is the Illini's best year since Darren Williams was on the team, and you can't have any fans in the stadium, like, that's that's tough, you know? So I'll be happy to see some fans get in there. Hopefully by the time March Madness ends, is ending and you're towards the National Championship game, we can see a little bit more fans in there. Just to get some crowd noise into it, because you know damn well know, if there's 25% fans in that stadium, they're going to be trying to shake the place the best they can. They're going to give it their all. So I'm happy to see it's kind of, in the, we're moving in the right direction when it comes to that stuff, but... That's what we got for college basketball. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. It's good to be back. Uh, Very positive podcast uh, from all standpoints. If the season ended today, we got two playoff teams in Chicago, which is absolutely remarkable to say, considering where all of our heads were uh, at the beginning of each season. Baseball is coming. It's coming quick. Free agencies are going to start picking up in the NFL. Uh, March Madness is coming. It's a really fun time for sports. And we're starting to get to that fun time of the year. Weather's starting to get warmer. We got playoffs. We got the beginning of seasons. It's going to be a fun time and a lot of good time to put some betting on too. So I know you boys are definitely excited about that. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the good stuff. And make sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasting needs. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you in the next one. Peace. Peace out. Austin Jackson Bank looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He scores. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through and over. Looking, finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away. Bang! It's over! The Bulls win at the buzzer!